I can't help but sympathize with Peter. When Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Well, I can, I can completely understand where Peter is coming from. Because you see, Peter is tired. He wants to, to just stop. And you can almost hear the explanation behind his words. Let's just stay here, Jesus. This is pretty good. You see, Peter has been following Jesus for a while now. He has seen things that have amazed him and and scared him and left him heartbroken. He has seen illness and hunger and desperation. He has seen demonic possessions and and ruined lives. Now, don't get me wrong. He's he's seen profound changes and, and healings and teachings, too. But... Wherever Peter has gone while following Jesus, it it seems like conflict and and suffering have followed. When Peter left his father and his fishing boat behind, what he also left was a life that was simple and even peaceful, even if also hard. But now it seems like life is always a battle. And what makes it all the more complicated for Peter is what happened six days ago. Six days ago, Jesus and his disciples were walking down the road near Caesarea Philippi when out of nowhere, Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? Well, The disciples thought to themselves, people have said all sorts of things, and not all of them have been nice, but they they focus on the good ones, Um, and so they they, they share, well, well, Jesus, some have said that you're Elijah, or or Jeremiah, or or one of the prophets of old, or, or maybe even John the Baptist, because John had been killed by Herod at this point. And Jesus He nods his head to all of this, and then he turns the question on them, but who do you say that I am? I can imagine there was a a pause, and then it, it came to Peter like a lightning bolt. The Messiah, Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God who would save their people. And so, and so Peter tells Jesus as much, and Jesus affirms Peter's answer. And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't show you this. This comes straight from God. And from now on, you'll have a new name. You were Simon before, but now you'll be called Peter, which means rock, because it is on this proclamation that the church will be built. And Peter is feeling he's feeling pretty good right about now. He's got a new name. I mean, this is good. This is it. It's all coming together. But then here comes Jesus. First, he swears them to secrecy, telling them that they're not allowed to tell anyone that he is the Messiah. And then Jesus starts talking about how he has to go to Jerusalem, and, and when he gets there, 
He's not going to be crowned king. No, he's going to have to suffer at the hands of the religious authorities and, and the Romans. And then he's going to have to be killed and crucified, and only to then be raised up alive on the third day. And Peter, Peter can't stand it, and he's had enough. And Peter rebukes Jesus, telling Jesus this must never, ever happen. After all, Peter just got himself a new name. He's the rock on which the church will be built. It's fair to say that that little bit has gone to his head already. And when Jesus responds, you would think, because it's Jesus, that it would be kind and it would be understanding, and that he would politely tell Peter how things were. But instead, Jesus' words are harsh and combative. Jesus declares, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus gathers up all of the disciples and starts to tell them about how if they want to be his disciples, then they must take up their cross and follow him. That was all six days ago. And I have to imagine that things must have been pretty tense between Jesus and Peter over that time. How confusing and frustrating it must have been for Peter to first be affirmed and, and seemingly so right, to only then be so off the mark. When Jesus took Peter and James and John off with him alone, who knows what Peter thought would happen. But what does happen amazes him. First, Jesus begins to shine with a, with a brilliant glory that could only come from God. And then Moses and Elijah, figures that represent the law and the prophets, which really represent the whole history of God's relationship with God's people, appear out of nowhere. Here, in this space, Peter is thinking to himself, is wholeness. Here is fulfillment. This is what we've been building toward or at least we can understand why Peter might think as much. And so, without even thinking, it just comes out, let me, let me build you a dwelling place for you and, and for Elijah and for Moses right here so we can just stay. I'm sympathetic to Peter. To know Peter's story is to know that desire to stay. He's tired of the crowds and the conflict. He's tired of this unruly Messiah and Lord and teacher who won't conform to his expectations. He's tired of the cold nights and the hunger. He's tired of the fear and the uncertainty. He's tired of the suffering. Here on the mountaintop, there is completeness. Here on the mountaintop, there is a window into the, into the ultimate. So why leave? And so yes, I am I'm sympathetic to Peter. And I think that even though our lives are very different from his, 
We have our own experiences of fear and uncertainty. We have our our own experiences of heartbreak and broken pieces. We long for an abiding sense of wholeness and completeness. We long for the spiritual and, and the psychological pieces of our lives to fit together nicely. If we've ever had a moment that seems like we've tapped into the ultimate and the peaceful, then we know what it's like to want to stay. If we've ever suffered, then we know what it's like to want to stay. Of course, it was never the plan to stay. Jesus did not bring them to the mountaintop to start over or to escape. Yes, they were getting away from it all, but only so that they might go back down into the fray with their vision purified and enlightened. We might like to think that Jesus went up the mountain to get away from his conflicts, but in point of fact, Jesus does not leave the conflicts behind. He, he takes them with him up the mountaintop, up to the mountaintop. Those conflicts, they're transfigured with him. And just as Jesus will still bear the wounds of his execution after the resurrection, so too Jesus takes all of his struggles up to the mountaintop, only for those struggles to be transformed in God's glory. Here, Jesus is seen in glory in spite of the coming crucifixion and death that looms, the crucifixion that he has himself announced to his disciples. One day, the disciples will know that this this radiating glory is not in spite of the suffering and death that is to come, but rather is there, present, in the very midst of the suffering and the death. And yet here, they're just catching a glimpse of this reality, present in the moment. When Peter wants to stay, he longs for the suffering to be removed. But it was never the plan to stay. And here, I think, is one of the, of the central mysteries of the Christian faith. For as we come to grow in our faith, we discover that the suffering is often not removed. It's, it's still there, present in our lives. But often we come to discover that it has been transfigured. Through a nearness to Christ, we can discover an emerging courage an outpouring of of love and compassion for ourselves and for others. We can discover the power of prayer and the nearness of God. And we can discover a, a conforming of our minds to the minds of Christ. We are not promised an abolition of suffering. But rather, sometimes... We discover a lifting of our suffering into the orbit of the crucified and risen Jesus. And at times, we discover that though our suffering remains, 
Perhaps it remains differently. Perhaps it shines with a different light. Like Peter, we might long to stay in that moment on the mountaintop. But our true life is to be found as we journey with Christ through every difficulty, bearing with us a hope of the transformation prefigured already in the glory of that mountaintop. And so when what Jesus does with Peter and James and John, Jesus looks to do with us as well. Those times when we are suffering and those times where we too are knocked down and overcome by fear, Jesus looks to come to us, to touch us, and to say, get up and do not be afraid. Amen.